Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the 208th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And a back shoulder fade across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. What's up, guys? Uh, I like the intro there, uh, a back shoulder fade. That is uh, making reference to Georgia's quarterback, Jake Fromm, and his favorite throw to make. It's SEC Championship Week, but it is also... Black Monday. So um, we've got a interesting show. Uh, it's never exciting, but it's always interesting to say the least. So because a lot of teams are turning over new chapters. Yeah, coach. And uh, here to join us in this adventure through the morbid curiosity that is the silly season. We can't get started without the third amigo in the second city. A man who is better as a Pino than he is as a cab. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. <laughs> Uh, I don't even know what to say to that. There we go. Okay, yeah. Well, uh, as Coach has alluded to, it is Black Monday. We had uh, the rest of, uh, you know, the final week, rivalry week of games over the past weekend. And those were fun and wonderful. We got a great Iron Bowl, um, a fun, if you're a Badger fan, battle for Paul Bunyan's axe, Virginia winning uh, the Commonwealth uh, trophy for the first time in like 15 years. We'll get all to all of those uh, later on in the week, but it is Black Monday and it's an annual tradition on the show to dive right into the coaching carousel. All three of us have a, 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 a I wouldn't say curiosity, just a, a genuine interest in all the moving parts and all of the sliding doors that happen with these coaching changes. And this happens every single year, the Monday after um, the season, the regular season ends. We get all the all the firings, and so far we have twelve uh, jobs that have already um, either been op- have either opened up or have already been uh, opened up and have already been taken over. And so we are going to start our show tonight, though, on e- what is easily the biggest and most shocking news, and that came down today that Chris Peterson of Washington um, is stepping down for personal reasons um, away from the Washington Husky program. Peterson has been outstanding as the head man for the Huskies um, in his six seasons uh, at the helm. He was 54 and 26, 34 and 20 in the Pac-12, has had some just uh, really outstanding teams uh, up there in Seattle. This year had high expectations, didn't quite live up to them. Jacob Eason homecoming wasn't everything it was cracked up to be. Um, they've already named Jimmy Lake, the defensive coordinator, as the head coach. Not in, no, no interim tag. He is going to be the head coach. Uh, he was with Peterson uh, both here in Washington and before that at Boise State where he was the defensive backs coach. So we'll be, uh, I guess the second part of this conversation is going to be, uh, you know, what do we think uh, about this hire of Jimmy Lake? But the first part of the conversation is just, you know, 
holy cow, I can't believe this happened, Josh. You know, uh, I, don't, I don't know how you, how you felt when you saw the news, but I was just simply, you know, uh, you know, completely taken aback and at a loss for words. Yeah, I mean, uh, this was actually such a quiet Black Monday and Black Sunday that I was even questioning if we should do a show tonight. Uh, then Chris Peterson goes and does this. And I, I think he's just a, someone who's kind of beats their own drum. He's a little bit different of a person. He wasn't uh, at Boise State for that long as a head coach. Um 06 to 13 and then was at Washington for six magical seasons um, outside of a little bit of a down year this year, but for the most part, uh, an amazing run and really bringing them back from the dark days of like Tyrone Willingham and some other horrible stuff that's happened uh, since about 2000, honestly. Uh, So it was, it was very surprising. News, but the more you kind of dive into his bio and sort of his personality, uh, maybe we shouldn't be surprised by it. And this is a guy that turned down the USC job very famously because it wasn't him. I mean, this is that's atypical behavior in the coaching world. So um, it, it sounds like it's no health scare, nothing like that. It's just genuine wanting to be away from the game for a little bit and uh, kudos to him. And uh, I know we'll talk a little bit more about his replacement in a second, but uh, talk about a groomed heir apparent. So it's not like he's screwing Washington over in some way. I'm wondering if as this kind of unravels and we learn more about it, I'm wondering if this wasn't the plan in the off season. And maybe that might explain some of Washington's lack, lack of uh, crispness this year coach that certainly could lend itself to uh, a good explanation is kind of why they were down a little bit because you know in college football burnout is real you know these guys are on the road constantly there is no off time in college football because of the two signing periods and everything gets bumped up and you know it, it you're seeing it and it happens a lot more commonly than you think. But now that, that it's happened to a big name, it just makes it a little bit more real now. And, and the burnout is, is actually a thing. So, um, you know, maybe he's just over it. And, and I think he's seeking a role um, higher up in the, uh, in the athletics food chain. Uh, maybe he's preparing to be an AD. So um but, uh, you know, best of luck to Chris Peterson. You know, it's probably going to be some much-needed time away uh, for him to recharge and get his life back in order and, you know, just to, you know, just to be him for at least a year or two. So, um, and it's a good chance to uh, give somebody that he's groomed an opportunity um, that, that he probably much well deserves. So, uh, I kind of like this for Jimmy Lake. I think Chris Peterson will serve as an advisor to him. He'll counsel him. He'll, you know, he'll mentor him and do everything he needs to, to, to help him uh, be successful. Um, I think when he steps away, he's still going to help um, Jimmy Lake out a little bit. So um, 
it should be as far as continuity goes. I think this is a good thing for Washington. I think this will recharge him because I think now the head coach will have a little bit more energy. Um, whereas Chris Peterson, you could probably you could tell that he was just he just had the look on his face that he was just done. Yeah, yeah, and- it's it, it's not a perfect comparison because 1998 the team was one and five when he decided to step away. So it, it's not perfect. It's not apples and oranges. It's like a red delicious and a Granny Smith. But shades of Terry Bowden stepping away. And, you know, Terry was gone for 11 years, then popped up at little North Alabama and then had some productive seasons at Akron. Um, So, you know, this Chris Peterson's only 55. Maybe this is permanent. Good for him. Maybe he gets the, the itch again and comes back. And that would be both good for him and good for us as fans. Yeah, so, you know, let, let's talk here for a minute about Jimmy Lake. Uh, like I said, he was uh, the defensive coordinator at Washington, um, has, but has been with Peterson for a long, long time. You know, he's, you know, it, Coach Peterson is going to uh, remain the head coach through the bowl game this season, wherever they end up playing. And Lake is officially, at the moment, the head coach in waiting. But, Coach, I would imagine that their bowl practices will be – Um, just a huge transitional period, but also very beneficial to the fact that they will get them now. They'll get these, whatever it is, 15 extra 15 practices in with, you know, uh, Lake really sort of taking the reins. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a good, um, I guess, warm up for him to uh, get the operation stuff down. And, uh, you know, Peterson will, will be there too. Peterson will be the head coach, but he's not really going to be the, head coach he's just going to work on getting uh, Jimmy Lake up to speed and and really just fire hosing him with uh with training that is much needed so this will give the players a chance to kind of audition him uh, and kind of get used to him over the course of the bowl season uh being not in the defensive coordinator role but being in the head coaching role as well so uh I mean I like it for that reason um to be honest with you I think he'll do I think he'll do pretty good uh, I'm excited to see kind of how this turns out. Yeah, I think the continuity is really impressive. How often do you see someone with this track record? He was at Boise State uh, starting in 2012 and then when Peterson shifted over to Washington in 2014, came with him. He's been on the Washington campus the whole time Chris Peterson has. So this is a, a special relationship. Jimmy Lake's also uh, – I don't know if he considers himself a local kid. I don't know. Um, he played at Eastern Washington. He did have a stop earlier in his career back in 2004 at Washington. So um, it seems like there's a lot of ties. Seems like there's a potential that this is Jimmy Lake's dream destination. And if so, and if he works out, I mean, Washington just now has a 42-year-old coach that could be there for – a long, long time. Who knows? This could be something we look back on and say, wow, this is this was the necessary shift for Washington to go from being a, a really, really solid program at, with an occasionally great year under Chris Peterson into an elite program again. You know, it would not surprise me if they were, you know, really didn't miss a beat and step right back in and were battling Oregon for – 
the Pac-12 North crown next year. Um, so now that we've, you know, we'll, we'll step on from Washington um, to move on to what I frankly thought was a bit of a surprise in the firing of uh, Boston College head coach Steve Adazio. You know, I have been uh, pretty ruthless in my criticism of Boston College for a long time, but I was I was a bit taken aback. I understand that, you know, his career record, he's a 500 coach, 44 and 44. But, you know, Josh, is Boston College really better than six bulls in seven years? I mean, what that, that I, it, that's if that's not good enough for the folks in Chestnut Hill, tell me what is, because this is not like a traditional power that we're talking about. You know, yes, he did not yeah. have as good a, a record as like Tom O'Brien did, but Tom O'Brien was playing against Big East competition. Not that, the, not that now nowadays ACC is you know all that much stronger, but still they have to travel a lot more, and it's not as natural a fit as the Big East was. I don't know. I guess I'm just a little confused about it. Maybe you can help me sort of sort my thoughts out. Well, you you answered part of it, Matt. He was 44 and 44 at Boston College. 22 and 34 in conference never had a winning record in conference uh his best season was four and four which he did seven times never won more than seven games um one three and a no contest in his bowls because uh the their bowl last year got uh canceled for weather so he's we know what he is yeah, he's immediate. He runs a very consistent seven-win program. And if you're Boston College, you're in a little bit of a damned if you do, damned if you don't moment. If you keep him, you're going to be in this loop because that's what he is. So they are going in a different direction. They are gambling here with that they can find a great coach that gets them over the hump. There's only one ranked team in the ACC this year. It projects to not be so hot a conference next year. Um, so they're looking at some of those other teams like it, Pitt made a conference title game. Virginia made a conference title game. Like Florida State's down. If we can magically somehow slip past Clemson one time, why not us? And if you have that mentality – Steve Adazio is not your coach. Um, so on one hand, I see your concern, Matt. On another hand, I respect their going for it. You play to win games, and if you win enough games, you get to win a championship. And sometimes you need to make these gutsy moves. And even without that aspect of the equation, they're just so vanilla. They're not a fun team to watch. We've seen, they're not a deep team ever. We've seen injuries decimate them. He sometimes in press conferences likes to blame other people when mistakes happen and doesn't really seem to take onus. So when players see that they probably don't want to play for him. So there might be a reason why they're thin on talent. That isn't just, being Boston College, I think Adazio might have to do with some of that. So I applaud this decision. The The X factor will be who do they get and will they commit some resources? They've 
recently opened a field house. Will they keep that going? Because uh, without that second part of the commitment or finding some extra dollars to pay the assistance, they're just kind of kind of be trading a, a, a two pair for a two pair. Like they're, they're not hot hands. If you're making this move to steal the poker analogy, you, you got to complete the hand. Yeah. I mean, coach, who should they be targeting? If you're the AD there, who are you, you know, who, who is, you know, not just who's your dream case, but who, who's a realistic guy that you can go after that can, break the mold of seven and six every year i would take a serious look at lance leopold at university of buffalo i I think he's somebody that is a big time coaching talent at a small time school i mean i think what he's done at buffalo is nothing short of amazing uh so i would take a look at him um i would take a look at will healy um at charlotte they are seven and five first bowl game in school history um He's done some good things there at University of Charlotte. Um, As a Badger fan, I, I've heard murmurs that they might be interested in Joe Rudolph, who is the current Badgers offensive coordinator. Um, and I will, you know, uh, I forget who the comic was in the what was it in the nineteen seventies, eighties? Was it, you know, take my offensive coordinator, please take him. <laughs> Uh, he's yours I, I, you, you 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 can take him I, he is all yours i would I've i will drive of, him to the i will fly to madison to drive him to the airport he is i've heard a lot yours. of rumblings i've heard a lot of rumblings also about don brown which uh is is interesting he's 64 so not exactly the youngest coach to get uh was a defensive coordinator at boston college earlier this decade has done great work at michigan outside of playing ohio state Uh, but had a pretty good run as a head coach way back in the 90s in three seasons at D3 Plymouth State. Oh, that's up in New Hampshire, my friend. Yeah, 25 and 6. A few years after that, he he went and got another coordinator's chip and he returned to the head coaching ranks at Northeastern. He was there 2000 to 2003. 27 and 20 got them to a tournament, which is not very common for Northeastern. Nope. Uh, and then took the Massachusetts job back when UMass was in the A-10. He was there 04 to 08, 43 and 19, 29, 11. Uh, took them to back-to-back tournaments, including a runner-up in the 2006 national title game. They went 13 and two that year, eight and no. So he knows the region, knows the school because he's been there. I, I think the qualms are his age and the fact that he hasn't been a head coach at a power five school and he hasn't been a head coach overall in 11 years maybe there's a reason he likes being a coordinator maybe he just wants to focus on defensive side of the stuff and not worry about the recruiting and running a program but i have heard rumblings and uh that's an intriguing fit also if they want someone who knows a region just hire randy etzel yeah okay come on let's be serious matt you can't you can't say you're done saying mean things about them and then go and throw a randy etzel wrench at them come on I, I I never said I was done saying mean things about them. I said I was just going to back off. So ser- serious question here: Does uh, Charlie Strong or Clay Helton get a run um, at a place like Boston College? <laughs> well, Clay, well, Clay Helton is in the holding pattern from Hal. Um, I, I think USC's basically screwed themselves over, and now to save face, have to give him another year. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, Charlie Strong is done. He's done though. 
Charlie Strong is actually has been well. I mean, he's gotten that you uh, South Florida has gotten worse every single season under him. Yeah, uh, look, Charlie Strong is he's flamed out of his last two coaching jobs, and so to look back and say anything redeemable about him, you got to go six years ago to Louisville. Um, I just think, I just think he's done as a head coach. I think that there's a very, very good chance uh, that Dan Mullen finds a spot for him on his staff, reunite the old gang. Um, can't remember all the the shuffles that South Carolina has had on their staff, but uh, you know, Will Muschamp, Charlie Strong, teaming up that might be interesting. Uh, I don't think he's going to replace Todd Orlando. I don't think Tom Herman has the clout to bring back Charlie Strong to Austin. (laughs) So we don't have to worry about that landing location. Um, But I don't know how you sell that to your fan base, even if you're boss in college to be like, Hey, we got a guy who flamed out twice. Yeah. Oh. And for that matter, I don't get this rumor about, Willie Taggart to South Florida. Like, like, dude burned you for Oregon and then burned Orta, or burned Oregon for Florida State. He has Petrino written all over him. The second he can leave you, he's going to. Like, if he goes to South Florida and has one decent season and gets any offer from a Power 5 school, he's bolting. Um I think South Florida could do a lot better than that. I will say one thing that South Florida is hamstrung by the more and more I notice it is just down the road at central Florida. They have a beautiful stadium. That's perfect for them. The bounce house. It's like 35,000. It's raucous. It's mad. It's crazy. It's a great home field advantage. And then South Florida stuck in Raymond James. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like Pitt playing in Heinz field. Yeah. But it's even worse because Raymond James has a stupid boat in the middle of the end zone. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so I think South Florida, it's a place that you can win. That's been proven. It's not easy to win there, though. Um, and I think that's also been proven. But South Florida can do a whole hell of a lot better than Willie Taggart. True. So give me a name. Oh, I don't That's. I, I I wasn't prepared for that curveball. I hadn't really thought about it. Um, Seth Luttrell. <laughs> one of the one of the names I expect to get one of these jobs, um, whether it's BC or you know somewhere else, maybe in um, you know the eastern part of the country, is Jeff Halfley, the defensive coordinator from Ohio State. Yeah. Um, I it would not surprise me in the least to see him um, uh, be mentioned for uh, some of these jobs. The other guy, Jason Candle out of Toledo. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, he would be a, uh, you know, he, he's, he's a pretty, um, you know, he, he's lost a little bit uh, off of his fastball since two years ago when they had that offense that was, you know, seemingly putting a 50 a game, but he's still a pretty, pretty big name. Or uh, not, not a big name, but a, a guy that definitely will will get some um, some intrigue. I'll give you a name. 
not necessarily for South Florida, but really for all of these jobs. Brett Bielema. <laughs> uh, that would be interesting. That would be quite fun. James I was Cole. thinking of more. Uh, no, I was Brian Ferentz. No, I was thinking, this is a serious oh. response. This is a legit up and cover. Oh. And I don't know why, I don't know why he's like getting tagged for the Texas job. I wouldn't touch that. The 10 foot pole of the Texas offensive coordinator job. How about Graham Harrell? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, offensive coordinator at SC right now, right? Yeah. Before that, he was at North Texas when North Texas was awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's very clear that he was the brains behind that operation. Yep. I think it's safe to say he's the brains behind any success USC has had this year, considering he's on like his 10th string quarterback and still racking up incredible passing yards. Um, Graham Harrell, I don't know why he said his sights on the target, the Texas OC job. Uh, what's wrong with taking the South Florida gig? Yeah, that's a, that's a darn good question. Be there for be there for four years, rack up like eight, nine, ten wins a year, uh, build your brand, and then oh, I don't know. By that point, Miami's probably on their fourth coach. <laughs> like by that point, Miami may have sunk into the sea. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that I think Graham Harrell's an intriguing person to keep your eyes on. Um, so, um, let's move from South Florida to Ole Miss, uh, in three seasons, uh, noted alum, Matt Luke won six games, then he won five and then he won four. And this was just going downhill about as fast as the, uh, um, Titanic uh, as what was that? The Titanic. Oh, I I was going to say as fast as it came out of their receiver celebrating on, uh, on Saturday in the Egg Bowl to get them knocked back an extra 15 yards to miss the kick. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the fire hydrant's always a good way to celebrate. Um, they fired Matt Luke, uh, not because his player decided to look like a peeing dog but um, uh, against Mississippi State, but uh, because this program is just going downhill and they are in it's, – it's a rough, rough – place for them right now an Oxford coach I mean obviously I think it's pretty evident that you know Matt Luke was not making the strides necessary there but you know who's you know what what needs to happen in Oxford to return them to prominence Hugh Freeze cheat some more yes (laughs) Um, can we get Hugh Freeze another burner yes we need to we need to do better at getting him a burner Um, Freeze I think they need to hire a combination of Chad Morris Brett Bielema and uh oh wait no sorry just kidding we'll probably just go up the road to norvell yeah they're they're, they'll certainly try that i think fsu has norvell in their sights but um i think also mike leach is a name to look look out for um i think uh you know obviously norvell lane kiffin is a is a name to look out for uh they just need somebody dynamic and somebody exciting somebody that's going to bring back the uh you know bring back stellar recruit or not bring back but just bring a, a great recruiting plan and just kind of get old miss dynamic is not the word i would use to describe lane kiffin he is he's a character um he's a character he's not really dynamic i don't know if you've seen any of those local uh, boca raton ads he's done like the local tv spots um he makes jay cutler seem like um someone who's been over caffeinated like 
he makes Jay Cutler look. But he he is the uh, <laughs> he is the Bill Belichick of local commercials. Like I think that's just all an act. Maybe. <laughs> I I mean I I hope for his sake. Have you is, seen but... his Twitter game? No, I I I well I, I mean he he's a world class troll. Yeah. He's a world class troll, but that's just his personality. That doesn't mean he's energetic. That means he's snarky. Like. Yeah. I, I, I think snark and energy are, are two very different sorts of energy. Anyway, we're, we're, we're losing track. Um, Ole Miss needs someone who is going to bring back talent, um, you know, and get those A.J. Browns, Robert Kendiches, um, uh, what was it, Little, the big tackle they got. Oh, no, it wasn't Little. It wasn't Walker. No, Walker Little went to Stanford. Um, who, who was the big left tackle that they got out of Texas a couple of years back? Greg Little. Yeah, Walker Little went to went to Stanford. Greg Little, both Greg guys Little. named Little. Uh, funny enough, left tackles, <laughs> but um, Greg Little went to Ole Miss, and I mean they they were pulling the Kim DJ brothers and stuff like that for a while. Now, obviously, I think a lot of that had to do with um, some uh, questionable Katie. cell phone calls uh, going on with uh, Freezes. But Josh, do you have you know anyone in mind for the old Miss job besides Jay Norvell? Hmm. Well, also I don't uh, see Jay Norvell actually as a, a good fit there. Jay Norvell is actually a West Coast yeah. guy. Yeah, um, but you know it's hard to resist when a school's what forty-five minutes away, whatever yeah. it is. Um, I, I think he's certainly someone to look at. Um, Sort of within the region, maybe a uh, maybe a Willie Fritz type, um, the Louisiana Ragin' Cajun coach. Uh, his name is escaping me right now. Um, he uh, he certainly had a pretty successful start to his career. Uh, a Billy Napier, that's who I was mm. thinking of. Um, so those are some people. I, I guess what I wanted to say about Matt Luke, just circling back to that, is tough situation takes over with for a program going through a whole lot of investigation mm-hmm. uh, bull ban his first two years there um the, not an easy place to win and then on top of that his first head coaching job that's never easy going straight to a power five school the people who do the best at a power five school are either a long-term time coordinator with immense success eh, well he was a co-offensive coordinator at Duke and then a co-offensive coordinator at Ole Miss. Uh, who knows what his input was in the co aspect of that. Um, he's not someone that had a lengthy track record or running a side of the ball that we see a lot of these coaches have. Or the other route is obviously the, like the classic Urban Meyer, Bowling Green to Utah to Florida to Ohio state where you prove it at several levels. Nick Saban did a similar trajectory. Um, He never had that. He never had that opportunity. It wouldn't surprise me. And I know the parallels are so juicy because they both experienced at Ole Miss, but um, he goes somewhere, works for a great staff, hones his craft, learns what to do, what not to do. Shades of Ed Odron. Look Mm. for him to come back. Wouldn't be yeah. surprised. Also, always tough to, to coach at your alma mater too. Yeah, 
Yeah. So, so. Um, well, let's stay in the SEC and talk about Missouri. Missouri fired Barry Odom after he went a very Steve Adazian uh, <laughs> 25 and 25 um, in his four seasons at the helm at Mizzou. He only went 13 and 19 in the SEC. And I think, Coach, what really just what, what was finally on the coffin for them is that th- this Missouri team, especially this year, they had Kelly Bryant, who is one of the biggest, um, you know, portal transfer guys on the market this year, had a pretty easy schedule and still just couldn't make any noise. No, they couldn't. And I think a lot of the distraction was due to some of the, uh, I guess, some of the academic scandal stuff that they were going through. And I just think Bill, or Bill, yeah, Bill, um, I, <laughs> it shows you how good of a job he did. I can't even get his name right. Um, I guess it just goes to show you that Barry Odom was just kind of a, a meh hire and didn't really, when they hired him, I was kind of skeptical of it. I guess he was along the lines of those interim coaches that got an opportunity because he did well as the interim coach. And I certainly don't blame him for that, but he just never really struck me as somebody who was going to be overly successive as overly successful especially in this league do I think he'd be a head coach yeah I thought he did a, I thought he did a fair job I thought he I think Barry Odom is somebody that if you give him a second chance at a less intense conference at a less intense university I think he could probably do something I think he could probably do well maybe if he gets another power five opportunity maybe Boston College looks at Barry Odom, maybe some of these group of five jobs that open up, maybe he can slide into one of those, resurrect his career, really rehone his craft and make another run for a power five job down the road. So uh, there's a lot of things at play for, for Missouri as far as Barry Odom goes. And he did a, I thought he did an okay job. Um, Certainly didn't like the world on fire, obviously. um, And certainly had some academic issues, which will probably hinder his chances here in the near future. But, um, moving forward, I think Missouri is one of those type programs that they can attract talent, um, especially that breadbasket, uh, Missouri, Texas, Mississippi, Louisiana, you know, some of those like they could compete for some of those kids. And I think that if they hire somebody, you know, again, young, dynamic, you know, really just or just a really good pedigree from the group of five, I think they can do really good with this hire. And I think that's kind of, I think they need to look at the group of five ranks. I think they need to look into conference USA and just kind of see who's, who's successful. Um, maybe a uh, Sonny Dykes, maybe a uh, Skip Holtz, um, you know, maybe a Jay Hobson, maybe, maybe Blake Anderson gets his chance now. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe you look out west, and maybe you go with somebody like um, Brian Harrison. Maybe you go, uh, you know, one of those Mountain West routes. Uh, who knows? But I think they, I think their head coach needs to be somebody from the group of five that's doing really well because I think they are. I think they had the energy enough. I think a lot of guys in the group of five are young on the younger side and more energetic. I think the majority of them. Uh, are like that so um this would be an interesting one to kind of see what direction they go. one guy that i think would be really interesting at missouri would be mike elko um and, and while he's not a native to there he's been you know working at 
A&M working in the SEC in that sort of Texas and Missouri, Texas A&M and Missouri are both sort of in that same, um, in, in that same, uh, in, in the same boat in the sense that they, you know, are both newcomers to the SEC and don't really quite fit in perfectly. And so he sort of knows the territory. I don't know. I think it'd be interesting, especially if they want to go with more of a defensive minded hire. It was going to go the opposite way. I think they should uh, recreate what they did when they were competing for big 12 and sec championships. The Gary Pinkle route is a fascinating one. He was uh, in that Washington coaching tree back in the late eighties and nineties when uh, they were competing for national titles and won a national title. Then he went off to Toledo and it wasn't a short stop. Is that Toledo 91 to 2000 and was just a proven winner. And for some reason just kept getting overlooked and overlooked and overlooked. And I was trying to think who fits that mold. Well, coach already mentioned him. He's not getting overlooked, but I think Brian Harrison would be a coup if Missouri could find a way to get him. Uh, Another coach that is similar to that trajectory, um, obviously wasn't at Buffalo as long as uh, Pinkle was at Toledo, but another name mentioned earlier in the show, I think Lance Leopold would be a really interesting hire. Uh, Thinking about the offensive side of things, and going back to some of their roots, Pinkle was a West Coast pass-heavy type coach. Said him already, Graham Harrell. I, I think those are some great names to target if I'm Missouri. They're an SEC school. They should set their sights high. Um, if I am picking one part about Barry Odom uh, with it, uh he has to be a little bit mad at his staff, I feel like, because in uh, 2018, Derek Dooley takes over as his offensive coordinator because um, obviously Heupel went down to Central Florida. And the offense was fine. Um, offense was pretty good. But this year, during their losing streak, what were they doing? The defense was fine. The defense put them in plenty of positions to win at Vanderbilt. They gave up 21 points. Derek Dooley could only put together 14. They held Kentucky to 29 points. Derek Dooley generated seven. They gave Georgia some fits, held them to 27 points. They got shut out. They held Florida to 23 points, generated six. And then Tennessee held them to 24 points. They generated 20. That's not good enough. Uh, If I'm Barry Odom, I'm thinking – I seem to run the defense pretty damn well. I think I can get a DC job somewhere and I think I can get to head coaching position pretty good again. I'm just not going to have Derek Dooley on my staff next time I do it. Well, um, let's uh, head down to a, a couple jobs that have been open for a while. And the first of these is Florida state. Obviously Willie Taggart has been uh, gone for a couple weeks now. Um, he was, canned in during his second season which is still pretty baffling to me then again anyone who thinks Alex Hornerbrook is the savior they need uh probably uh has bigger issues that they really need to deal with in their life well nothing Uh, lights a fire under athletic directors butts more than empty seats and 
my God, whenever I saw the stadium this year in Tallahassee, it was empty. Well, uh, Florida State is the biggest job on the market, guys. Um, whether we, you know, like it or not, it is. So, Josh, um, who do you think that, you know, do you know who they're looking at? Uh, who should they be looking at? Any names that we haven't thrown out yet that you'd like to see thrown in the mix? Um, it's honestly Florida State. The bar should be as high as possible. Um, I think in the ACC, they are – what are they the Ohio state of the ACC or is Clemson stolen that from them? But either way, Florida state is a premier team in that conference. They should have the sets be very, the, you know, their expectations be very high. Um, Money should not be an issue for them. And, you know, I'm, I'm putting my targets on, can they break up that amazing Clemson staff? Can they pull the coup and steal one of those coordinators? Um, can they get an up and comer and, you know, get the pick of the secondary coordinators? Um, do they go straight for a fellow power five school? I mean, there's no reason why they couldn't get any number of coaches at a Purdue or Indiana level power five program. Um, so I, I think it's really whoever Florida State wants, whoever is the best fit for them. Um, it's weird to say since it's Florida State, but they need someone who knows how to build a program, not just inherit a program. I think they need someone with a little bit of a track record. Um, and their offensive line has been so god-awful that they either need to find someone who knows that side of the ball or that position group or, you know, basically find someone that is willing to spend a boatload of money to fix that side of the ball because that killed Willie Taggart. That got him fired in less than two years. Um, That was the issues at the end of Jimbo Fisher's run. And there's really no point for a program as good as Florida State to be this starved for someone that can throw even an average block. That sounded like I just argued for Burt Bielema. I yes, mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I, th- I think you did too. Shoot, I, I, I can't. Th- let, 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 let's hire him now. Yeah, just do it. Just go for it. Um, I, I think, honestly, I think, um, you know, you still got you, – you realize this is still Florida State. And as bad as they are right now, they're still a name-brand program. And I think they – feel like they can get a name brand coach still and, and I think there's still a chance that they could I mean I, I still think there's no reason they shouldn't be able to go out and, and, and get somebody um, and I, I think the name that they're I think two names that I've heard that they are really targeting which one would be a tremendous home run and the other I think would be a swing and a miss um, and a waste of money uh, the home run would be Norvell from Memphis, they're mm-hmm. they're yeah. they're they're looking at him, and I think if I think if Florida State and Ole Miss are coming after Norvell, I think Norvell will choose Florida State. I think they're a more storied program, and if you're if you're the guy at Florida State, you are one of the premier guys in all of college football. It's kind of like Tom Herman had a little bit of success, and everybody's you know kissing his rear end. Um, the same will happen to Norvell or whoever is in that Florida State 
position if they if they so as to succeed. So um, I think this is a very very intriguing hire, and they got a chance to hire a freaking all star. And and I, I you know for Florida State's uh, sake and for the sake of the ACC, I hope they get this thing right. Uh, but I think Norvell would be the move, but the other name would be none other than the cherry himself, Mr. Brian Kelly, um, which I think would be a terrible fit um, for, for, for Florida State. I think he is maxed out. Um, you've seen what he can do in a big-time environment at Notre Dame, and that's what gets you eight, nine wins a year. That's not what they look for at Florida State. They want championships. Some guy named Bobby Bowden, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him, but uh, he uh, he kind of spoiled that fan base with uh, with all the success that he had. Um, and I know things ended poorly for Bobby Bowden. But, um, you know, I, I don't think Florida State right now is a, you know, I still think they can get a good head coaching name. And, um, yeah, I might be wrong on that, but I, I still believe that they can. And I still believe they should go after some of those guys. And, um, but if they have to go the coordinator route, I think the guys at Clemson, I think would do a good job. I believe Graham Harrell would do a good job. I believe, um, you know, Joe Brady, you got to maybe take a look at him over at LSU. You know, you got to take a look at, you know, James Coley or Brian Ferentz. Maybe Joe Rudolph definitely. Um, Please take Ferentz. Yeah, fine <laughs> with me. But in all seriousness, um, I also heard Tom Allen from Indiana is also a name that they are um, eyeing, and of course uh, Lane Kiffin is somebody that could get in the mix somewhere in one of these big places. And um, yeah, you know, I think Matt Candle would be a good good fit. I think uh, Matt Campbell. Uh, Jason Candle and Matt Campbell, right? Yes. Okay. I get those two confused all the time. Um, but, yeah, Matt Campbell's going to certainly have to turn some people down because I think I think Missouri and, and Arkansas are interested in him. Uh, I don't think he should go to either place. Yeah, those are a step down. I mean, Iowa State pays him a boatload. They've backed up the truck. They've built tons and tons of facilities. I really think that <clears throat> Iowa State – can be what Baylor just did this year. And obviously we'll talk more about Baylor later in the week, but spoiler alert, they're in the big 12 title game. Also coach, you know, you, you said Brian Kelly, eight or nine wins a year. Uh, Notre Dame has had double digit victories in four of the last five seasons. You know, I'm not exactly a, a, a Brian Kelly stand in any way, shape or form, but you know, they it feels have like they've been a seven and five team for a decade now. No, man. I mean, since 2015 wow. yeah that that is surprising yeah and i know we had that 12 and 0 um i know we had some god they won 10 games they won 10 games in 2015 2017 12 and 2018 and 10 again this year i'll just, tell you uh i'll wow. tell you a, a name that i think florida state might so well hold on hold on before you do that after. before you do that josh I just want to throw one more name in my coach. I don't think this, I don't know if this could ever happen, but if you could back the Brinks truck up to Brent Venable's house, give him a blank check and say, write a number. I think that, that, that that's how you take down Clemson. 
Wow. Mm. No, that's what, I mean that that if they're if they're serious, no, if they're I'll give, really serious, that's what I would do. But I'll give you a serious contender. This is Bob who Stoops. I would hire. Bob Stoops. No, this is who I'd hire from Florida State. Give you guys a hint. He's fifty-two and thirty-one overall as a head coach. He's currently going to be coaching in his conference title game this year in his first season at his new job. So proven winner. Any guesses? 52 and 31 overall coaching in his first, uh, in his conference title game in his first season at a new school. Yeah. I'll give you, I'll give you another hint. He really, really loves aquatic life. Steve Zissou? Jim McElwain. McElwain? <laughs> Shark Pumper? That's fun. Yeah. Jeez. You said aquatic life, and I just thought life aquatic. So, <laughs> um, you know, it is what it is. No, the Shark Humper, yes, I wanted to talk about him. Um, yeah, those guys, you know, Central turned around, and they won, they, they won their – you know, they won their division. Good for them. This I want year. to see him. I want to see him prove that a couple more years, at least two or three, at Central Michigan. You don't want to give yourself into a uh, South Carolina Will Muschamp situation where you're too happy to take someone real quick. Mm-hmm. That's true. That Which, by the true. way, how is he not on this Black Monday podcast? Oh my god, him and Clay Helton. What are you doing? That is a darn good question. What are you, what, what are they doing? Um, well, uh, speaking of what are they doing, Arkansas, when they hired Chad Morris, that was a bit of a head scratcher to begin with two seasons later, he's four and 18. That's two seasons with zero sec wins. Yeah. But SMU Uh, really fell off without him. Oh, um, (laughs) coach. I mean, what, what what do they do? We we can bury the lead no longer. We can't. You, you go back to the Big Twelve, <laughs> and you recreate the Southwestern Conference. Yes, you do. Uh, you go after Lou Holtz. Um, Wait, Lou Holtz? About- I would say I mean, Skip Holtz would actually be a a decent hire there. But Skip Holtz scoop Skip Holtz needs to wear his dad's pants when he was coaching at Arkansas. That's the only way it'll work. Um, in all honesty, um, the name I've heard the most uh, when it comes to Arkansas is none other than the Pirate, the Swashbuckler. Um, I've heard they were going to go after Matt Campbell, which they better they better really back up the truck. Mm. They're going to get him. Um, you know, I, it's, it's such a mess there that they are. I mean, I think. I think it's going to get down to like group of five coordinator Ooh. level or like retread type higher. Like, like they're going to get Clay Helton or they're going to get <laughs> Steve Adazio or they're going to get Matt Luke, or they're going to get some, some retread uh, because if they want to get somebody that had any sort of pedigree, that's, that's going to be the route they're going to have to go, or they're going to have to take a complete chance 
on some <coughs> on somebody, which they're kind of stuck in that vortex of, well, we took a chance on Chad Morris from Group of Five. He was an utter disaster. We took a chance on a um, guy that got Wisconsin to multiple Rose Bowls. He was a disaster. Um, so they're kind of stuck in, between a rock and a hard place because where are we going to go? Because we can't find success with any level, and, and we're, we aren't in a position to be able to go convince Matt Campbell or Matt Rule or Tom Herman or, you know, some big-name um, – lower tier power five head coach to come over into the sec and especially into the sec west where it's just going to be a freaking slaughterhouse for a couple of years while you get your feet wet so that's a tough job to hire for uh, missouri's not not easy either but they've at least got resources and some talent i mean arkansas is completely decimated and so i, I don't know what direction they're going to go if they can convince mike leach to come holy cow that would be a coup that would be a coup, but I, it just it 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 seems like an awkward awkward fit. But it would be um, extremely awkward. Josh, um, you have any thoughts here on Arkansas? Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't have any names popping out, but um, they need someone who has built a program from the ground up before, because that's where they're coming from. Um, Petrino just tore everything down, left it in shambles, and it hasn't been rebuilt Like in the wreck since. of a motorcycle crash, yeah. you could say. It hasn't been rebuilt since. Um, Bielema had an impressive record, but was given a turnkey program and just didn't have to screw it up. That's a lot different than building from the ground up. So I'm fine with a group of five coach as long as it's not someone like Chad Morris who had very abbreviated success. If they have someone who has built a program before um, skip Holtz, I've talked about him before. I like him. I know his South Florida run wasn't terribly impressive, but he did some really good things at East Carolina and he's doing some really good things at Louisiana tech. Um, I think there are some coaches at the FCS level that have done incredible jobs of constructing their program that a program that you've talked about before that you really like the South Dakota state program. Um, talk about a guy who's built it from the ground up. He's 62. So he might be kind of a stopgap coach, but John Steigelmeyer, he's been there for 23 years. He built the sucker from the ground up. He knows what he's doing. I don't know why he would ever leave that for Arkansas, but maybe he's like Craig bowl and gets the itch and wants to have a challenge, but you know, they're, they're the Rutgers of the SEC. They like they need an architect, not all about X's and O's because they're in dire straits. This is a critical, critical coaching hire for them. It, it, it really is. Um, well, we, we've got f- – quickly, I just want to get through four group of five schools that um, have openings now. We already knew that Bob Davey was going to be leaving. They – Mutually agreed to parted ways uh, after he had two winning seasons in eight years. Um, and after he was 35 and 63, 17 and 46 at New Mexico on only two conference wins in the past three seasons. Um, but uh, elsewhere um, in you know, staying within the mountain West uh, UNLV uh, and Tony Sanchez are done um, 
I mean, that being said, you know, that UNLV squad would consistently get beat by Bishop Gorman, the high school team he used to coach. Uh, Old Dominion moved on from Bobby Wilder. Uh, Bobby Wilder uh, had been at that school forever and ever. Um, he'd been their head coach since 2009, back when they were an FCS independent. He guided them through two years in FCS independent, two years in the CAA, one year, uh, another year as an F- FCS independent, and then six seasons in Conference USA. Uh, however, after uh, uh, winning the conference, uh, uh, winning their division in 2016 uh the monarchs have really fallen off winning five four and then one only one game this past season um this is an interesting opening because i think that there is a lot of potential there at old dominion uh virginia obviously a a state that has a lot of high school football talent um and finally utsa frank wilson out after three seasons at uh, three seasons, or I should say, sorry, four seasons at UTSA, uh, where he went 19, 29, 13, and 19. Um, but frankly, Josh, I mean, it's UTSA. Does it even really matter who's coaching there? <laughs> Come on, the good people of West Texas. I mean, but you it's know, interesting. It, UTEP and UTSA, both in West Texas, both awful. What's up with that? New Mexico, struggling. New Mexico State. What's going on with that part of the country? Your football program. I think they have bigger issues in that part of the country these days than a football program. Math, immigration, unemployment, uh, climate change, drought. <laughs> <laughs> a fake wall? Fake news? Uh, fake news. Oh, I didn't know the president was joining us today. <laughs> yes. It's, uh, it's glorious. It's the greatest show ever. I give my endorsement. It's it's really good. Um, I think um, I think I'm going to take over as the Roadrunners head coach. It's going to be it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a huge deal. Well, it worked well when he ran a USFL program. Uh, no, I, I just uh, Herschel. It's my greatest signing ever. I I would appreciate if you didn't attack my New Jersey Generals. Thank you. Yep. Got that one dollar settlement. Um, yeah, just just hitting these real quick. Uh, Bob Davies' overall record not great, but unbelievable stability to a program that had to recover from our boy Mike Loxley. Oh gosh, two and twenty six, two and fifteen at New Mexico. By the way, uh, his four wins at Maryland now between being an interim coach in twenty fifteen and three wins this year really. Uh, turn the corner there. Oh, yeah. Um, but no, New Mexico, it, it's an interesting program. Rocky Long had some success there. Obviously, he's done even better at San Diego State. Um, <clears throat> I don't know where they go for their hire, but I, I kind of like the older um, – experienced coach, someone who knows how to run a program, someone who has some of that stability. Um, I don't know why he would want to do this. It's a quite a change in scenery and prestige for conference and stuff. But the, the idea of a Steve Adazio type is intriguing if I'm the New Mexico administration. Because um, I don't think they're fully healthy enough yet as a program to take a flyer on an up-and-comer and try and catch magic. I think they're still trying to get just routinely competitive in the Mountain West. 
Uh, UNLV, we talked about when Tony Sanchez left. Uh, this is not an easy job because it's Las Vegas and you like have a lot of distractions there. Uh, some parents don't want to send their kids there. Um, but it can also be an extremely embracing college sports town if you do extremely well, a.k.a. Jerry Tarkanian had plenty of support with the run and Rebs basketball program. So it's a high upside job and Las Vegas quickly growing community, a lot of prep talent there. Bishop Gorman obviously was a a big prep program. So there's some intriguing aspects about UNLV speaking about intriguing aspects, old dominion fertile recruiting ground. Can they find the right person? to tap into that. We'll see. I think Billy Wilder was a great caretaker of that program and seeing them through the transition, having some success at FCS. I think it was just a little bit in over his head here at the, uh, the FBS level and UTSA. I mean, I think all these Texas schools are sleeping giants. There's, you know, North Texas, they're right there with plenty of recruiting ground. Yeah. San Marco, plenty of recruiting ground. Like, Outside of Rice, who has crazy high academic standards and plays in like an absolute dump, I'm optimistic about all the Texas programs turning around. So UTSA, they should be able to get someone. It'll probably be have to be an up-and-comer, a young coach, a coordinator that's had success probably at the, at the group of five level. Um, but there's no reason for UTSA not to turn things around, start making bowl games. Um, be a decent program. So, you know, you say, does it really matter? I, I think it's an intriguing position. Why not? All right. I'll take the, I'll take the job. If they called me, I'll give it a shot. What do I have to lose? Maybe they need Charlie strong. Maybe. Oh no. Charlie Strong's dog. Look out for too. Uh, oh, let's see where, let's see if, and if Willie Fritz gets into any of these mixes, let's see if he can sneak into a power five job. Willie Fritz at Arkansas would be interesting. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Willie Fritz. Can you imagine Willie Fritz at Missouri? I could see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or Ole Miss. I could see it. Ole Miss would be really fun. Or when Tom Herman but, goes but, to but, Arkansas. But, but can, can you see them running? The, like, well, 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 they go back. To, well, is, is an S, is a, is the administration and the AD at an SEC school going to say, yeah, go run, go run the option, like go go run the triple option, like they do? Well, I, he I, I, adjusts as he needs to. Yeah, we we've had this conversation about Willie Fritz. He's not that's true locked that's in true. as a triple option guy. He's locked into when he was at Sam Houston State, he was empty air raid. When he was at Georgia Southern, he was modified triple option. He kind of fits where he is. Um, I think he's kind of, I think he kind of leans towards that. Uh, pistol spread option type stuff. I think he, le- I think he leans that way. But <coughs> excuse me, I think the uh, I think the college football world is starting to with Lamar Jackson um, having so much success. I think the college football world is, you know, everything's a read now. Everything's an RPO. Everything's a read. So I think Willie Fritz is not what you think he is. So I think okay. he'd be good. Um, the question is. Um, who's going to replace Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma? Because you know Lincoln Riley's going to have to say no to the NFL. That's going to be tough to turn down Jerry Jones, just so you know. 
if I'm Oklahoma and that happens, I just call big game Bob and say, dude, can you just fill in, do three, four, five years, whatever you're comfortable with, and we'll just have this seamless transition. Or do you go with Josh Heupel? Yeah. Oklahoma. He would he would be the other intriguing option. Bring yeah. him back home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that would be fun. That would be fun. Um, does Josh Heupel go back to Missouri? No. No. I think you that, that's a lateral Missouri, that that's yeah. a lateral step. Does uh, you know who I'm surprised it hasn't made a move yet because I heard they were going to, and it might be they're waiting until some sort of buyout kicks in. Is Colorado State firing Bobo? Hmm. I was watching some highlights of Bobo playing quarterback the other day <laughs> for Georgia. I do not know why. Speaking of the good old days, though, Rutgers, they're trying to bring back the mid, uh, the early to mid-2000s. Greg Schiano is back. Uh, he uh, has been with the defensive coordinator at, the, at Ohio State. Uh, was formerly mm-hmm. with the New England Patriots, uh, the head coach, at, head coach at Rutgers, and the cast of Goodfellas in any other Marty Scorsese movie. Um, guys, how do we feel about uh, chopping that wood again there in East Piscataway? Whatever sharpens their axe uh i i think it was the best hire for the short term i don't think they're expecting to have a 15-year run with greg Giano. uh what they need is instant stability instant competency instant credibility and he brings all of those this is the 2019 version of the mac brown let's get our program figured out and point in the right direction before we get our coach of the future. And the way you saw things spiral um, to kind of rewind it, Greg Shiano left that program in plenty of good shape. Kyle Flood gets in okay his first few years and then awful at the end, including some NCAA issue stuff. And that brought in some investigation that brought in a whole bunch of stuff and they fired him uh, with plenty of good reason. But when you have that cloud, it's really hard to find a coach, which is sort of why like Ole Miss stuck with Matt Luke. And so the, the only person they could get was Chris Ash, who was a really nice coordinator, but it's really easy to coordinate at Ohio state when you're getting five star recruits kind of like Maryland is figuring out right now where it's really easy to be an offensive coordinator when you're Alabama. So Chris Ash way over his head. Um, he needs to go the Ed Ogeron route and just figure out his game again. Um, so I think Greg Shannon on the short term is the best they could have hoped for. He brings, like I said, instant stability, instant credibility, Um, I know Tennessee didn't want him for some of the Joe Paterno stuff and a lot of, a lot of smoke there. Maybe there's some fire, but when you talk to Rutgers fans or see what they read about, they talk about like how nice he was, the family oriented aspect when Eric LaCrange had his neck injury, the outpouring of support that Greg Schiano showed. Um, They love him there. 
I think he has the potential to really save this program from the brink of turning into like what Northwestern was in the eighties, which was instant win worst team in the country. Um, he's prevent, he has a possibility of preventing this from being like Kansas of the 2000 insta win worst team in the country. So he's got his work cut out for him, but it's a smart hire. It's a safe hire. And I think based on probably where Greg Schiano wants to go and where he sees himself, it's kind of a short-term hire. But that isn't necessarily a bad thing. Coach, any final words? I think Josh took the words right out of my mouth. I think it's, <laughs> you know, something they can point to and say, hey, see all those pictures on the wall of when we were really good? Yeah, that was him. So we're going to try to recreate that magic and we're going to try to resurrect his career as well because of that whole Tennessee fiasco. And uh, we're going to try to get some relevance here in the big 10. And if he can do it now in the big 10, now we've got something. And now we can maybe try to own New Jersey. Or even if you can just make it so they're not a 50 point underdog in a game. (laughs) That might help too. I think if you can get it to twenty point underdog, <laughs> yeah, like if if they are if they if they are within a three touchdown spread of Ohio State, Greg Schiano has done his job. Yes, um, and that's where they are. Okay, and that's sad, but you know, good for them, I guess. Uh, you know, is there really an exciting hire that they can make? No, probably not. Um, any anybody that's going to get them north of fifty point spreads and um, north of two wins, uh, I think, is a home run for them. So, yeah. anybody that can anybody that can step off the the set of Goodfellas and recruit the state of New Jersey, <laughs> that's a home run. I think that's going to do it then for uh, for us tonight, guys. Um, so. Uh, on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, here in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook, up there in Chicago, Illinois, this is the professor, Matt Perkins, in the Music City, saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Muschamp and Herman will get you next year. You fired all your coordinators. That's the last act of a desperate coach. Arr, hire me somewhere. I'm the pilot. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion and check out our Facebook page. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.